0: Hi, welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, where that is Angie. And I'm Teresa. And um last time you guys tuned in, I got to tell the story of Bessie Coleman. No, Doris Payne. I got so confused where I was. But um I took way too damn long. And so <laughs> Angie never got a chance to tell her story. And this is what happens when you take nine pages of notes and then you end up, you know, adding to the additional storyline. So yeah um but anyhow we're gonna we're gonna go back to like giving you kind of a a gentle lead up as we (laughs) just kind of go back what you've missed (laughs) is offline without recording we talked about the dangers of different hair removal techniques and (laughs) then we were talking about how you know we basically own socks old enough to earn the title (laughs) ma'am to vote and pay taxes oh my gosh (laughs) the last time my sister-in-law visited um she was talking about how you know we've all grown up or all all these things and she's like look my ability to drink is already ready able to drink legally and that cracked (laughs) me up that is brilliant i'm gonna have to remember that like
1: just because i can doesn't mean it's not older
0: Right. And I mean, she's just like, you know, like, I, I've been drinking, like, you know, kind of sitting down with, with Mike and I, like, we're the young pups going, look, I've been at this for a while now. <laughs> I love that my ability to drink is old enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that is such a better way to look at it than saying, I'm 29 again. Woo-hoo! I mean, like, I like feeling like I'm young inside like oh gosh i'm 21 at heart and then you hang out with a group of uh people that are either just out of college or still in college and you're thinking get me away i know i am I'm, I'm oh yeah mm-hmm.
1: i am i was too old for this when i was this age yeah that
0: was me anyway i mean i felt like that you know but i, I feel like i'm i think the, the the beauty of my neurology is i always feel like the only sober person in a room full of drunks Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm not sure where I land on that scale. I mean, sometimes I feel like I might be the only drunk in a room full of sober people, but I, either way, there's a definite mismatch.
1: <laughs> we went to the wrong room.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, can't we just find a happy mix? Like I just need a pack. Where's the of, hallway? Yeah. I need some neurodivergence up in here. Like you get me a pack of some autistics or ADHD peeps and we'll have a great time that's probably
1: why we totally bonded
0: you know and it was because i just decided to test the waters like you know this meme is highly inappropriate for someone that you've just met via text i'm gonna Let's let go rip. it rip <laughs> you know what and um either i'll burn this bridge or it'll be fabulous so we went send. with fabulous <laughs> dude we did didn't we like, and send you know, it was it was just one of those things, like, well, I mean, the worst that could happen is, you know, she tells Ian to never talk to Mike again. And um, it's fine. He doesn't have, just, have any friends. I just ruined a 30-year friendship. It's cool. It's fine, don't it's fine. Oh my gosh. Yesterday we without without even like, hey, do you have any stories about Ian or anything like that? We're somewhere, we're we're, you know, running an errand together. And he just brings up this story about hanging out with your husband when they were kids that I, I never knew. He said, yeah, we, I was hanging out with Ian and they were taking his dog to the vet. And I mean, this was up in Sonora and he goes, there's all like, there's people who have mountain lions as pets in Sonora. I mean, that was the lead in, that was how we got there. And I was like, first off, I what? call I call hogwash, and he goes, "No, nope, no, nope, these things happen." And I was like, "That's a highly dangerous pet," and he goes, "Yeah, but anyhow, we take Ian's dog to the vet, and said <sighs> uh, segue, <sick>, Mike. <laughs> I mean, it was brilliant." And he goes, "I walk into the the lobby, and I see a beige colored large 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 animal with this, um, you know, just looking at me." and moving towards me and he goes i did just out of the corner i saw this and i immediately plastered myself against the wall and just closed my eyes and started whimpering because i knew this was it i knew that i that the mountain lion is coming for me this is this is how i go and it's not what i had planned <laughs> yeah i mean and he's a kid right like i don't know how old You'll have to ask Ian, you know, how I cannot were. wait to ask him about this. And he may not even remember this because it sounds like he was in the exam room and the um woman at the counter goes, no, 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 sweetie. No, 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 sweetie. It's fine. It's fine. He's he's great. He's he's super sweet. And he's like, a mountain lion. And <laughs> she goes, no, baby, no, baby. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. And he looks and it's a mastiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Him. <laughs> and he said that the Mastiff's owner had three of them because one giant breed dog isn't enough. You need to have a pack of them. Mm-hmm. And when the when the, the herd went to the vet, the one liked to stay at the front when his exam wasn't going. And he would curl up underneath the receptionist's feet and she would take her shoes off and rub his belly. As you do. You, you have yeah, to. Yeah. Like, that's what you do. And once he figured out that this dog wasn't a mountain lion and wasn't hungry. (laughs) And was in fact a dog. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, oh, thank God. That was a close one.
1: I almost died today. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait to hear Ian say the story because I 100% because I know this man 100% know he saw the Mastiff from like a mile away and was just chill because that's how he is. Yeah. like. He'll look at you and be like, why are you panicking? It's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Come this way. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? why could you, do you not have a panic bone in your body? Like, I don't think he's ever been scared.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like Hubs and I, we live in just, you know, we're on the threshold of an anxiety attack at any given moment. You, I just, I'm looking for a reason. <laughs> now, if it is an actual emergency, you've never seen anybody calmer. Yep. But a grocery store, oh, I'm going to be just paper bag, just hyperventilating in the car before I go in. Mm -hmm. Plane crash, I'm great. You want me on the scene of a car accident, you do not want me at the hair salon with you, because I will figure out a way to freak out. Same. Only, my, my
1: issue is that I can't do finger wounds, teeth wounds, or toe wounds, so like, please don't bring me your hangnail. But like, oh... I, I see that you have this massive gash in your leg. Yeah, I got you. Let's let's work with that. I can help that. We 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 yeah. Okay, fine. I don't let my children jump into the pool more than 3 times if dad's not home because if they crack their head on the concrete, I'm just going to pass out.
0: Story. I got a story for you. <laughs> my mom would pass out at the sight of blood. Okay. And my little sister is accident prone and knew this and at the age of three was riding her bicycle, going down the sidewalk. And another little girl was going down her sidewalk and they're coming towards each other. And they're both looking across the street at me and the brother. We're playing Goofman being loud. And they don't see that they're having a head on collision. The other girl turns her head the last minute. My sister turns her head the last minute. And my sister goes to pull her hands away from the handlebars. But she doesn't get all of her fingers. She only gets nine digits out of the way. Oh. And so the handlebars smash the oh, fingers together. You know. And the tip of her finger busts. Oh. And so my sister knows that she should need a Band-Aid. No, she's like, it's fine. It's fine. So at the age of three, my little sister oh. goes home and, and goes, mom, I need two things. Like I'm gonna and like she like my little sister washes her own hand, and she goes, "I need a band aid and a kiss to make it better."
1: Hey, I'm good. (laughs) And like this
0: is all I need from you. Like you have two jobs here. And so my mom slaps a band aid on it. Like it, you know, it's dry. She's like trying not to look at it because everybody knows she passes out Mm -hmm. the side of bud, and she kisses the tip of it. And my sister goes out to play because of this thing that my mom has. She didn't identify. She didn't look at the finger. She didn't know that the the tip of the bone had broken mm. because nobody looked at it. And so we just treat it as normal until like my sister goes to bed. A couple hours later, she wakes up and her hand swollen and blue oh. and they take her to the doctor and they're like, yeah, she broke her finger mm-hmm. and they're kind of looking at her like, how did you guys miss this? And- <laughs> um. Well, <'cause-> <laughs> <laughs> because we let the three-year-old manage her own first date that checks the the amount of times uh
1: just just like a couple years ago ian was hanging shelves in the garage and he knows this right like don't bring me your hand wounds there's i'm going to pass out he is you know those like <clears throat> the metal ones and they have like the little slide in thing and they clip in mhm okay so he's installing those like well, i don't remember exactly what happened but i'm out there helping him and All of a sudden, I hear it clip in and him very calmly say, Hey, babe, I need you to lift this side of the shelf very carefully. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, it
0: has my hand in it.
1: Mm. So he's got like the webbing.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Angie's uh, indicating the spot between middle finger and forefinger. Yeah. Or not middle finger, a uh, thumb and index. That's yeah, yeah, those spot- are the words I'm looking for. But you know, we have to narrate for those playing at home. That's true. So okay. this so this spot, that little that little
1: meaty spot right there. And um I proceed to not help him to the best of my abilities. <laughs> um, I come close as close to him as you can get given the like what he's doing and I'm like trying my best to help him but not look at him. Mm. And he's over there like, I've never met anybody calmer. He's like in excruciating pain, working it out. I just need you to hold this end up so I can pop my hand out. I just need you to hold it. And he is like calmly talking me through it. And I'm over there like. (laughs)
0: Like you're the one with your hand in a bear trap.
1: Yes. So he finally gets his hand out and he
0: goes, can you bring me an ice pack? And by this point, it's already super bruised, like, the whole, I don't I don't remember. It's been 30 minutes, and he's had his hand caught in this thing the entire time. Yeah. The entire time, yeah.
1: So I bring him the ice pack. I'm literally, like, I'm, like, face turned the other direction as I'm handing it to him. And I am literally, the insides of me are, like, getting ready to be the outsides of me. Like, <laughs> I am freaking out and finally like hours and hours and hours and hours go by and he's like it's literally just bruise babe it's fine do you want to look at it no i don't thank you okay well eventually you're gonna see it so it's on my hand like i can't you don't want to check it out while you while you have a chance to like not panic in public thank you okay super bruised little little like nicks and cuts in there like right in the in the little fatty piece where the meat Mm. went i felt so bad for my inability to help this man and i'm over here just like i need you to help me i'm gonna die right now (laughs) (laughs) and and at this point now ethan's involved too and he's like oh my gosh mom just help (laughs) it
0: i love it i love it so much
1: for me guys somehow I've made it this far in life I'm 39 years old I've made it this far I haven't passed out once I've handled some finger wounds not proud of how I handled them
0: we're good it's fine. See, I've never passed out I've never passed out I'm like, thinking about it. like I've never have but it's like you know kind of wonder what that would be like just to have a surprise nap.
1: That's exactly what it's like. I've only done it I've only done it once. Um and I was really sick when I did it. So like I just woke up on the bathroom floor. I don't you know what I mean? I don't know <laughs> what led up to it. Um I woke up on the bathroom floor with my mom yelling because she thought I hit my head on the
0: bathtub. No, I take I baths did. that are so Oh sorry, I interrupted. No, that was it. Okay. I mean, I take baths that are like boiling hot water, you know, like my cup of coffee in the morning is colder mm-hmm. and I will tend to lay in there until the water starts to get to where you, sh- you, you would, you wouldn't use it. You could, it's not hot enough to you know poach your vegetables. Um, and that's when I, I get out. And last couple of times it, that just like made all the blood rush. And I, sat down on the edge of the cat or the edge of the tub and i'm like hmm this is not a good idea and inevitably (laughs) the dog has pushed the bathroom door open by that point and she's up in my face and i can't handle that and uh, mike walks by both times and he's like what what's going on i was like um hmm, i'm i'm not okay and he now he knows what's happening he knows the water was too hot i was in there for too (laughs) long and then i stand up too quickly And both times I was able to realize I'm going down. And so I decided to sit, (laughs) I'm like, maybe the edge of the bathtub isn't the safest perch. And so then like, I get myself (laughs) down to the floor, but both times I've done that he's seen, and he's thinking that I'm not moving under my own volition and (laughs) he begins to panic. (laughs) Aw, I know. Love it. (laughs) I know. Oh, sweetheart, I'm fine. I'm just not fine. Yeah, it's like, I'll be fine. I I just need some floor time. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Sometimes that's what you need. Time Mm -hmm. on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So realizing that you have picked some zingers of stories, I have been... Not on pins and needles, but I've been super curious what the hell you're going to bring today. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Um,
1: So, remember yesterday when I said after we recorded that um, while researching my story, I learned that I do not, in fact, have a degree in civil war (laughs) snafus.
0: And that was one (laughs) of those things that made me like, is it time yet? Can't you just call in dead to the rest of your plans? Because I have (laughs) questions.
1: Well, I'm here for you. I'm here to tell you the story. Um, Also, uh, my other disclaimer to this is there is a lot of legality in this story that I don't fully understand. Like, I don't understand military law and how um, some of this plays out. And for the sake of not making this podcast three hours long there's going to be chunks of the story that um once you guys hear the story you're going to want to go and listen to every podcast i listen to and read every article i read and there's a book about this man um like just do it all because it's so worth it's so worth it (laughs) so my story and i think this is actually from a meme that one of the two of us sent to each other years ago because when i refound it i was like oh my god this guy is yes. it the guy who gets the pull through his head? No, different guy. Okay. But just as epic. <clears throat> My man's name... Are you ready for this?
0: Lay it on me. Robert Smalls. I know that's not... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. A yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. I know who this is. I mean, I okay. don't know everything, so I'm super thrilled about this.
1: Okay, so... And also, I can pronounce every name in this story, so
0: I am very excited about this. I mean, when the main character's <laughs> name is Robert Smalls, you're, you're on a good start. I've got somewhere to
1: go, you know? So he is born into slavery on April 5th, 1839 <clears throat> in Beaufort, South Carolina. His mother is Lydia Polite. She is owned by a man named Henry McKee, who is perhaps Robert's father.
0: No, wait a minute. Her uh, sir- surname, for lack of a better word, is Polite? Yeah, Polite. Now I want to know if that's by, what is the word I'm looking for? By personality or by... Uh, okay, I'm
1: going to say personality, and I'm going to say that because she was um, she was house help. So Okay. I'm just putting the two together and thinking that perhaps she was exceptionally gorgeous and very, um, like had a very, yeah, had a very soft demeanor about her is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, because of us, because of the power she, she holds over Mr. McKee himself. Oh, I this, think these things,
0: this has a lot of hidden context in there.
1: Yeah. And, not a whole lot of at least from everything that i read there's not a lot on her but the things that she does set him on this path and it all ends up like i don't want to blow the story by yeah yeah. so anyway um it's possible that henry mckee was the father it's possible that his son was the father or that the man that manages the fields his last name is smalls okay so some historians think it's him but the the bulk of the people think it was henry or the son okay um and that is because he robert is allowed to stay in the house with lydia so he is raised amongst the other white children of the family um, I don't know if Lydia was a, a maid or a governess. I'm not sure what her role in the home was, but mm-hmm. he was raised with all the the white children. So he's that, you know, uh, lighter skinned, and he's been treated like the for the both for, for the most part, like the as his childhood for the most part, as the rest of the white children in the family.
0: But you know, I mean, one of the things I recently learned is that. It was common to have children born in enslavement raised alongside the, the, the family. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes they did learn how to read or write just kind of not through osmosis, but because all the kids were were held together. And it wasn't like the children raised next to, you know, the, the property owners. I'm trying to, it just, it's all so gross to me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that they were treated better. It's that they were treated as like the white kids' pets.
1: Yeah, I kind of get a little bit of that vibe, but also um, Robert is pretty independent and and he goes out and like in the streets of Beaufort and plays with the other white kids. Like there's not, it doesn't seem that he was particularly um, like the pet in this particular case. It seems, I don't want to say that they considered him an equal either, but I don't think, I think it was somewhere in between. Okay. So because of this Lydia's like oh no, no 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 you need to actually see what it's like to be a black man in the south right now mm. so by the age of like 10 she has taken him to see auctions he's seen the whipping post he knows what it's like to look to work in the fields even though he's never personally done it and he, this makes him incredibly defiant like I was born better than this there's no why do we treat each other this way because of this, by the time he's twelve, he ends up in the local clink. How this amount of times? Like we don't have an exact number, but we know it's more than two. And every time he ends up in the local jail for whatever—maybe it's missing curfew because they had a curfew,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or speaking out, or whatever the reason. Every single time he goes to jail, Mister McKee comes and bails him out. Which leads me to think that. He knew he knows that's his son, because then later, by the time he's twelve, mom says, "Mr. McKee, he's not doing well here. Can we send him to Charleston, get him a day laborer job, so that he, hopefully, you know, like gets out of the trouble he's in?" Mr. McKee says, "That's great." He. <laughs> <laughs> Moves him to Charleston. He works all over the Charleston Harbor doing random jobs. At one point, he's making um, for himself a dollar. So he's allowed to be paid. He's making himself a dollar a week, and he's sending the rest of the money back to his master. He spends tons of time working in and around the harbor. At one point, he's there installing explosive mines Hmm. into the Charleston Harbor. This is going to come back later. (laughs) While he's there, So he's been there a few years now. He's done hand work. He's done, um, I believe one of the things that was listed that he did was like the the knocker upper, like the wake you up guys.
0: Okay, good. Cause Um, that, that word I've heard before, but it never means to me what you just explained. Same.
1: (laughs) Um, Or a lamplight or something like that. Like he did a, he did a, a few of those really classic, like oh my gosh, that was a job once, type job. Right, when you're
0: watching those Charles Dickinson stories and you're just like, oh.
1: Yeah, like exactly. Rizzo
0: and the Rat lighting the lamppost in Christmas Story. Exactly. Or Muppets Christmas Carol.
1: Yep, I knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so while he's working in that area, he meets a woman by the name of Hannah. She is 15 years older than him. And he falls head over heels in love with Hannah so he asks to marry her both of their masters hannah's working as a maid in one of the local hotels but both of their masters agree to let them marry so they have um i'm not i don't fully understand this but i guess they have a house there in town that they share but they are both still owned by someone else okay But again, I think it speaks to the preferential treatment that Robert received from McKee because I feel like he didn't do this for all of his slaves to allow him to just go and live somewhere else and pretty much have a life of his own. But at the same time, he still has to send all his money back.
0: I was just going to say that. like, I mean, he he is basically living on... Not on an allowance. He's giving his master... Yeah, that, you know, so as long as it's profitable, it doesn't sound like a bad arrangement for the the owner.
1: And I guess he's keeping him out of jail doing it. So there's that. That's I mean. true. There's
0: somebody else to yell at him for it. So, you know, win-win.
1: I I guess, yeah. So, um Miss Hannah has already by this point two other young teen daughters, probably 13 and 14. Okay. We know of one called Clara who was still with her at the time of her marriage to Robert. He is there. Um within I want to say a year of their marriage, they have their first child and it's a little girl. At this point, he realizes like I I have a family now. Mm. I we have to be free. I, I can't risk my wife and children being sold off. And he kind of starts working these ideas and and how we're going to go about this in a world where, you know, free is not there and it's not easy to come by. Yeah. But by the time his daughter turns three, he gets a job on the planter, which is a steam powered paddle boat that's designed for shallow water and is incredibly fast. Originally, I believe the planter's used as like um transport, like a cargo, moving, okay. moving cotton and tobacco yeah. and things out of one place and into another. But by the time the Civil War starts, which we are now at least a year into, um, it's used as either gun transport or munitions transport for Fort Sumter. Okay. So he's... <laughs> I love this man so much. He is now um the wheelman, I believe is the term. I'll have to double check that, but he's he's basically the pilot of this boat. And Okay. He, in his area, he is known as the best. Like oh. there's nobody that can navigate these waters better than Robert Smalls. So the captain, there's three white officers on this boat. Captain Charles J Relia The first mate, Samuel Smith Hancock, and the engineer, Samuel Z. Picture, and several other black slaves working on the planter as deckhands. I have some of their names. Would you like to know their names? Hell yeah. Let's say them. So there's a John Small, unrelated. (laughs) Okay. There is a Alfred Gordian and John Small. They're both engineers. And the deckhand's deck names are Davy Jones, which it's David Jones, but I'm going to go with Davy and I'm just going to say he can't be on board because Davy Jones in a boat just seems like a terrible
0: That's idea. A very <laughs> superstitious, you know.
1: Exactly. Jack Gibbs, Gabriel Turner, and Abraham Jackson. Those are the names we know for sure. I think there were a few other on board, but those are the n- names we know for sure. <laughs> so, um, I think And I think it's important to share their names, at least to me, because it gives character and humanity to these characters that typically aren't given names. Yeah. You know, I think that's super important.
0: Well, and it's like the anytime you're doing research on people from this time period who were enslaved we don't have paper trails. We don't have birth certificates. We very rarely have death certificates. We don't get marriage licenses. We have no paper trail. Right. And and most of the time we don't always get names either. Yeah. To
1: like, as soon as I read the names for me, I started building their faces and their hair and what their clothes might've looked like and how they might've responded to the situation that they found themselves in. And some of them had girlfriends. So um, one of them may have even had another small child. So there's, mm-hmm. like, there's life happening here in a really sad, strange place. But, like, well,
0: yeah, they're living. You know that there is a war happening and your freedom depends on it, but you're stuck on the side. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that had to be just so impactful. I think...
1: In my, yeah, like, for me to, to think, like, this war is happening and I am stuck serving the side that has been holding me down. Yeah. I don't blame anybody for try- trying to change it at no. all. I mean, my God. And I'm sure that there are cases where there were probably people that saw the war happening and were either scared or thought you know what i'm in a good position maybe maybe their master is a decent chap and don't want to mess with the status quo because of the ramifications that could come with messing with the status quo you
0: know but there's also stockholm syndrome where oh you sure. end up like being in a real bad situation and still decide you know what it's others have it worse it's and awful things are happening in the background it's like yeah but it's not as bad as so and so as the tree is burning down right like- and <laughs> Meanwhile, so-and-so is like, no, dude, you got it much worse than me. It's like, no, it's not so bad. Like, the, yeah. the mean, this is fine. This is fine.
1: That is, that was kind of exactly what I was thinking. Like, I wonder when I was researching this and just thinking about his story and thinking about the fact that he's got a wife and I, as a mom, like to think to myself that at any point someone's going to come and take like they could come and take my child and sell them. Yeah not a chance in hell so just to to be having to to serve on that side you Mm -hmm. know like i'm just oh my heart for them but anyway so that being said (laughs) around april of 1862 so by this point fort sumter was fired on a year earlier so we're at least a year into the civil war and fort sumter is the major fort just outside of charleston harbor so that's kind of their main charleston harbor is kind of like the main like lifeblood port of this area right so about a year after that in april of 1862 smalls has been serving on this boat with these officers for at least a year he's earned the trust and the respect of these officers they call him the best the best wheelman in town like he if it weren't for him we couldn't do our job Mm. He, he's the reason it's happening um, <laughs> by this time the planter has cargo a cargo of guns and ammo it's fast super fast and there's actually a list um, online I can send it to you if you want to read it of what's actually loaded on this ship like you, when I say snafu <laughs> I mean snafu this ship is loaded like Fort Sumter probably could have done a lot better if it had had received
0: the items that were on the ship when they were on the ship. I am so ready for this because I know so, where this is going, but it's so much better having all the deeds.
1: Right. So he's serving on the ship. One afternoon, the black, uh, the white officers have, I think, disboarded the ship. They, they, they've maybe gone to town and the deckhands and smalls are doing their work on the ship. Well, the captain had left, he has this like rather large straw hat, has left the straw hat on board. And one of the other deckhands, I'm not sure which one.
0: Do we have a picture of the straw hat? Because I'm imagining the hats that you see, the quintessential, um, I'm going to say, white lifestyle bloggers wearing at the beach you know with the super wide brim. yeah
1: that's what I'm imagining too so I there's pictures there is pictures of all of these I'm not sure about that particular hat but there are pictures of most of the players in this story okay (laughs) I'll see if I can find you the hat though
0: I don't know why I feel like the hat is its own character right now oh
1: oh, it absolutely is its own character and at this point in my imagination Robert Smalls looks a lot like a young Chris Rock
0: oh okay so Thank now you. you have. So You're now welcome. we've we've casted the entire film.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, so the the hat gets put on his head, and the deckhands are joking like, "Oh, you totally look like the captain. You should just captain this ship." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." He takes the hat off, puts it down.
0: Oh my gosh, I love this. That's foreshadowing. And eventually, <laughs> they're gonna be like, "We kind of gave him the idea,
1: right?" So Smalls, like, while they're joking and like he whatever sets it aside goes about his work but now the thought's been placed in his mind so smalls has the know-how to get out oh and i forgot this minor little detail the union navy has blockaded the harbor so the union fleet is less than 10 miles like it's there yeah so smalls is like okay i have the skill I know all the secret codes to get out of the harbor to pass all the sentries. Yep. Um, I kind of have the same like build as the captain. Interesting. So he starts watching the captain. He starts paying attention to the way he stands to the way he moves to just like the simple nod of his head. He starts method acting. Pretty much. So he goes home one night and he says to the wife i got an idea okay <laughs> and he he tells her i got a way out but it's dangerous if we're caught we could be beaten we could be sold separately we could be it could be worse but i think we can do it and the wife says where you go i go where you die
0: i die now i I have been married long enough to know that that was a 10 second conversation, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but in real life, that had been three hours and there would have been so much.
1: Yeah. So at this point in the story, I'm not sure if he has shared with her his exact method, but eventually he does because she is kind of crucial to the Mm -hmm. escape. So he goes and he talks to the other deckhands and the other slaves on the ship that he's serving on. And he's like, hey, remember the other day
0: when you were like, oh, you look like the captain, didn't you? I kind of do. Like, this makes it even more harrowing because there's a song. I can't remember who it's by, but um, it's basically two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Yeah, right. And every person you tell is another point of failure.
1: Right. However... All of these deckhands, except for... There's conflicting stories. It was either one or two. All of them are like, yes, let's do it. The two that don't, never say a word. My assumption is they just, quote unquote, jump ship. (laughs) I don't want to be involved in this. And, and I'm thinking probably either that Stockholm syndrome or, um, I actually don't want to get beat if we fail. Yeah. Right. I want to,
0: I'm not saying we have to stop this story and immediately research who, who didn't escape (laughs) and what happened to them, but I don't know if I would want to be left behind.
1: I feel, so this is what I'm going to say based on what I know how that happens after the fact, um, the white men's errors (laughs) probably more
0: than cover these two that jump ship I don't know though like you know we've just got those stories of like you know the whipping boy or the scapegoat or the whatever I am already at a disadvantage if I am being forced to work and you know stuff rolls downhill you're right Um, you're right (laughs) you're right <laughs> but, but anyway I'm, okay okay yeah i don't we don't i want don't to I promise the story. you
1: uh no you're not because i thought the same thing like what happened to those two
0: yeah like
1: hmm so anyway so he starts plotting they've been watching the captain they kind of have a little bit of an idea of how they could pull it off and then the perfect night presents itself
0: may 13th of 1862 So how long has it been since he had the idea? Do we have... About a month. Okay. Oh, sitting on a secret like this for a month.
1: Well, not only sitting on the secret, but also waiting for the opportunity to present itself. Yeah. Because it can only happen under certain circumstances. And that night is May 13th. The three sailors, Rayla and his mates, the three white men... Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Rayla and his mates decide they are going to leave the boat for the night whether to attend a party or to attend their wives or whatever the case is and they're going to leave the boat in the hands of their trusty capable slaves and so they go ashore which at this point now according to general order number no. five of confederacy is against the rules you have to have a white man on board a ship yeah i can imagine. <clears throat> you know, the. The officer needs to be present. However, um, up to this point, the slaves on board have proven to be nothing but
0: decent servants. Yeah,
1: yeah, doing their job, being great navigators, great deck hands. They're not
0: causing problems. They're doing their jobs. You know, I bet that this wasn't the first time they were left alone, but they just knew they didn't have enough time, and so they had to like earn that trust. Like, hey, I'm going to go aboard and get a pack of, or shore and get a pack of cigarettes, and it's like, sure, sure, we'll be right here. Pick up right. some milk
1: on your way back. <laughs> Would you mind bringing back a Sammy? Yeah. Um the other thing that comes into play here is this particular day, the May so May 13th. The ship was supposed to leave harbor again. So they came in, they did they did whatever they were going to do. They were supposed to be docked for the evening and then leave exceptionally early the next morning. So that
0: was already the plan.
1: That's already the plan. So, when the captain says to Smalls, Hey, we're me and the boys are going to go throw some back at the pub. Immediately, Smalls is like, Okay, let's go. Yeah. Because they're gone and the, the like, they have to pass through five different blockades or not blockades, excuse me, sentries or forts to get out into the open water. And so they know that these five places already expect the planter to be leaving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So tonight is the night. So he sends word to his wife, who gathers up the rest of the people, the children that they're bringing with them, and the girlfriends and a couple of other people. Yeah, and she brings she brings with them a linen white bedsheet because those aren't stored on the ship. <laughs> so super, super crucial. So the guys leave. Smalls and his gang get ready. Word has been sent to the wives. They pick up the babies. They go. There is a total that we know of of 16 persons on board at this point, including the wives and children. This has to be done without the wives or the children being seen or heard. So can you imagine in the dead of night with your infant child and a four-year-old
0: how you plan to keep them quiet? I mean, I already know horrible stories of people doing what it took to keep the little ones quiet. And oftentimes it involved intoxicating them or accidentally smothering, like all, all of those. Of th- yeah. All of the things.
1: Yeah. So this is what the, the women are thinking and the, and they're getting a bit panicked. Like, how do we maintain being quiet? How yeah. do we maintain being out of sight? So they get locked. Um, one source says they get locked in a stateroom. I'm. I don't imagine this ship has like captain's staterooms like we're thinking like on a cruise, but probably the captain's quarters is my okay. my best guess. Um, <clears throat> so they set out. At the harbor, they make it past a policeman and a night watchman who both later say that they thought it was the captain and his crew, so they never questioned it. Like, of course, the planer's going out tomorrow morning. Why would, why would that not be the captain and the crew? Right. Like, duh. So they make it past the other four sentries, the other four guards, quiet, Following the rules, following the hand signals and the whistles and the blows and all the things you have to say and the mannerisms of the captain, because that plays on this, right?
0: Like, can you do you stand like the captain? Do you look like the captain? Yeah. Do you are you questionable at all? I uh, can I just say right now, I am I already know the story, like, but I am already nauseous.
1: Yeah, me too. And if he if Mr. Smalls was, we don't know because he was ironclad and handled his
0: business you have got to have a raging amount of cortisol and adrenaline (laughs) ripping through your body right so at 4 15 a.m
1: they make it to fort sumter the women are praying and crying and the men are quoted as having their knees feeling quite weak With the big cap, the captain's big straw hat pulled low on his head to help cover his face, he pulls the whistle string for two long blows and one short one, as he had watched the captain do many times before. This is the code to prove that you are, in fact, aboard a Confederate ship and you are, in fact, allowed out. The secret handshake. Pretty much. He hears the Yankee or the Confederate guard yell, "Blow the damn Yankees to hell or bring one back," and he responds with, "Aye, aye."
0: And I imagine,
1: because of the rest of this story, what we learn about him, that he's got a little smirk on his face at this point.
0: First off, can you imagine? Like, let's let's zoom out a second. That. Blowing a horn, which is super loud, very easy to understand as a secret handshake. You're not going to a key panel and typing in a secret code or handing in your fingerprint. You're delivering a code that is audible for a decent pot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so everybody in the sun, like the the area just goes, oh, yeah, that's the thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I get technology hadn't come so far as, you know, scanning your iris. But, okay. Well, you
1: remember the part where I was like the white and southern snafus here, right? Like,
0: this was not well thought out. (laughs) Well, I mean, it may not be well thought out, but, I mean, okay, let's let's look at the other side. Looking at the level of technology that they had at the time, I don't know if they had a lot of other recourse, other than... At least
1: not in the middle of the night, right? I mean, it's pitch blackout, right? So you have to assume... Yeah. I guess a whistle's your really only your option at, at the moment. Um, so as soon as he is out of firing range of the fort, which he also knows, by the way, um, he has the his crewmen pull down the Confederate flag and the South Carolina flag, and he hoists Miss Hannah's white bed sheet up for the Union blockade. <laughs>
0: and you know However, that thing was Freshly bleached, because they're like, this will not be any shade, but the brightest of whites. whites. Right.
1: At this point, the fog rolls in. And they're like, crap. That we look like a Confederate ship, full gun in it, right into the Union blockade. This is going to go bad. Off in the distance is a clipper ship called the Onward. It's captained by Volunteer Lieutenant John Frederick Nichols. And he is, at this point, assuming that what he is seeing barreling down on him is, in fact, an ironclad Confederate ship. However, he spots the white bedsheet.
0: Great, great news. (laughs) Great news, because, you know, I can only imagine, as a volunteer on the front line, you might be hair trigger. A little bit. Rightfully so. A little bit. A little bit. So he (laughs) he
1: yells uh, at this point he hails them and he learns their intent and he tells them to pull up alongside. However either the passengers on the planter didn't hear him or were so like oh thank god we made it that they don't. And so he yells again, stop, or I will blow you out of the water. At which point, the crew of the planner gets it together, and they pull up alongside the onward. There's dancing and jumping, and some turn back
0: to face Fort Sumter, Sumter and curse it. But regardless, they're free. And everybody vomited a vomit of relief. I, I would. I mean. So Small ugh. says,
1: right? Small says to the captain, good morning, sir. I brought you some of the old United States guns, sir. They were for Fort Sumter, sir. So hold, please, while I pull up some of the quotes that were given after um, he goes into the blockade. He says, Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, Mr. DuPont, who is one of the commanding officers of the ring, of the area, says this about Robert: Robert, the intelligent slave and pilot of the boat who performed this bold feat so skillfully, informed me of the capture of the Sumter Gum gun, presuming it would be a matter of interest. He is superior to any to have come into our lines, intelligent as many of them have been.
0: I love that for him and hate (laughs) that that it had to be called out, that we can't just assume they are just like us. Right. That that is notable. Yes. Um, Do
1: you care to know what was on board that ship?
0: Let me have it. I mean, I don't care if it's nothing but lace and glitter, but (laughs) I have a feeling it's not. It has
1: approximately 200 rounds of ammunition, a 32-pound pivot gun, a 24-pound howitzer, and four other guns. Among them are as one of them that was dented on the original attack at Sumter. To which, remember when he said, uh, we have a gun we think you might be interested in? Yep. That was it. Nice. The first gun fired on at Sumter. So long story about this portion short um the white union officers are like in love with him he couldn't be a better pilot he couldn't be a better officer he couldn't they give so one of the things that he had agreed upon with his master and the master of his wife and children was that at some point he would be able to buy their freedom he needed to make
0: $800 what is that in today's money? Because $800 now, like if you said, hey, I need $800, I'm going to need to double check a couple things.
1: Well, so this is what I know of is not so much $800, but I will tell you what the Union Navy gives him.
0: He needs $800 to free his wife and child. Wait a minute. Wait. So he's still planning on paying for their freedom? No, not at this uh, point because they're free. I was about but to he's say been like, saving
1: up. Yeah. Okay. He's been saving up, and he's only got, like, maybe a couple hundred dollars at this point. But at any point, the master can back out and take, you know,
0: change plans, right? Right. I mean, shoot, if if a breedable pig during the war, the pig war, was, you know, 5k in today's money. Right. So I'll tell you, this is what
1: happens. The Union Navy appraises the planter, and they give him... $1500.
0: Oh hell, yes. And that's in civil war money? That's 53k today. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. He's free, his
1: family's free, his crew is free, and the Confederacy puts a bounty on his head of $4000, <laughs> which is roughly today 400
0: uh, 143k. Can I just note real quick the fun uh, you know parallel between um doris Payne's first diamond (laughs) sale being roughly the same in modern money as what robert's i know i shouldn't compare thieves to somebody who you know like (laughs) breaks through oppression but good grief Uh, right um here's the parts of the story that are
1: absolutely my favorite parts of the story the next morning, General, you're killing me, Smalls Ripley, wakes up the next morning and says, crap, not again. Like three weeks before, 15 slaves stole a barge that was also
0: under his command. That's kind of embarrassing. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so they damn well knew better. And they sure they, did. They played a game of let's make the same mistake. More than once, yeah. Um, The white
1: sailors that, you know, skipped the ship and went aboard to party it up or hang out with their wives. um, They end up court-martialed and in some big trouble. I know
0: that they're the Confederate side, but rightfully so. (laughs) It it makes me laugh so hard.
1: Like, you fools did not see this coming. (laughs) The amount of times you yourself have said he's the best wheelman in town... Hey, why don't you put on the captain's
0: hat? Oh, we got this memo about you know, hey, this happening before, like only a couple of weeks ago, so the ink is still fresh on this note. Yep, yeah. Um,
1: so George Ferguson, he's a an angry Scotsman, and I imagine he sounds like Uncle Scrooge if I'm being honest. Um, Uncle Scrooge, as played by David Tennant, or are we going? Yeah, Uncle. Okay. Uncle Scrooge, played by David Tennant. Um. I love that you know that uh, because this is my favorite rendition of the DuckTales, but that's a whole different day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he owns the ship, the planter, and he says to the court-martial, you know, the orders weren't super clear for the sailors... About where they're supposed to be that night. So anyway, the three sailors get out of mar- their martial trouble. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Marshall that trouble. does
0: not sound like an angry Scotsman. Um, I imagine an angry Scotsman being so animated that he is spilling his scotch as he and is
1: spitting everywhere. Yeah. Oh. Only um, I, I know for a fact that right now, because I'm thinking about it, I, I'm not sure if I can do it. You know
0: uh, the accent or spill your scotch. I mean, I know that this is early in the morning when we're recording. <laughs> I don't this, have but...
1: scotch. I don't have scotch right now because it is uh, early in the morning. Um, I I'm not so sure I can do the accent right this second. Like I I can I think I can, but I'm not going to try it and butcher
0: my own heritage. You know what I'm saying? I mean, here's what I love about Mike. Mike would try, but it would be an Australian accent. <laughs> Appreciate that. And it would be hilarious because it would be like, wait, where are you from again? And, I'm sorry. What part of Scotland is that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so long story short, George, old Georgie boy,
1: uh, he gets the three sailors out of trouble. However, our friend Mr. Smalls becomes the first black naval captain.
0: That's a great promotion that he is well earned.
1: Right. So now he has like incoming monies. He's got rank, and the Union Navy loves him. He is a war hero. Yeah. He brought
0: in, like, free guns. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. Tons of well-trained personnel. Mm Mm-hmm. Who have motive and are pot committed to seeing them win. Exactly. Um, So a couple of things
1: he does. Uh, McKee, Robert's former master now, because he is free man, loses all his property all his holdings, everything else. So one of the things I learned while researching this is, and I never, I don't know why I didn't previously know this, but this was news to me. So I'm just, kidding. hopefully it's news to someone else, I guess. During the civil war, a lot of Confederate landholders lost their
0: properties. Either they weren't paying property tax or they just up and left or. Well, okay. It was we're taken paying from property them. tax to who? I mean, in this, this is a, a valid question because here's my assumptions. I'm going to lay them out one by one. Um, I'm going to assume that the union is just like, you know, you're still technically ours and you still technically owe taxes. And the Confederacy is like, you know what guys go ahead and ignore your property tax. Because I mean, we've got our own money. Like what are you going to do? Pay them with Confederate bills?
1: That's kind of what I think is happening. Yeah. Um, among like things just being taken from them. Um, from the north uh whether it was like we literally like took your property like physically took it um or yeah they're they're having so much fines put upon them for not paying their property taxes that eventually they just lose it anyway because you can't afford to pay those fines so that is one of the things that happens so mckee loses everything smalls goes to lincoln and helps him convince that there helps convince him that there are a lot of blacks who could serve in the war effort, and then further helps to recruit five thousand of them to the Union side. After the war is over, and the North is won, this man, the um, Roberts, or excuse me, Robert, is back on the planter in Charleston Harbor commemorating the war. Hmm. Can you imagine being the captain of your ship that you stole? That you drove through a blockade, gave to the Union Navy. The Union Navy's like, well, you're great. We love you. Um, would you like to serve us? They, so this is the be- in one of the best parts to me. They put him on another ship. He serves on the ship. They put him back on the planter. He serves on the planter. In one of the 17 conflicts that he's involved in, His captain, so I don't know what his rank is at this point, but his captain loses his cool and goes and hides, like, with the coal. Okay. Robert assumes command. The Union Navy then gives him the ship. This is
0: yours. You're the captain. So at the... You know what I was afraid of? I was afraid of, like, they made him a captain of a ship, but they said, you know what? The boat you have is really strong, really powerful, really fast. So we're actually going to give you command of the sardine over here. And Uh, we're going to give this one.
1: Right. Um, No. So at the end of the war, he is sitting on his own boat in the harbor where it all started for him. So commemorating the end of the Civil War. So he gets a boatload of money. A
0: boatload of money. And gets to keep the...
1: Oh. (laughs) And he gets the boat. Um, after the war is over, uh, our, f- our idiot friend, who I am now saying is an idiot, the VP, Andrew Johnson, says, quite possibly the dumbest thing ever, white man alone must manage the
0: South. You know, um, unfortunately, as problematic as that was, that was a pervasive thought. I mean, let's Indeed. go back to looking and acknowledging that Smalls was an intelligent human being and feeling exactly. the need to call that out right um so
1: so you know what, what smalls does about um andrew saying that kick him in the junk no he gets involved in politics um he and community affairs he opens a store for freed slaves and a school before becoming involved with the local republican party in 1865 he is elected to the south carolina house of, house of representatives And then in 1871 and in 1874, the state Senate, or excuse me, 1871 for the state Senate, 1874, the U.S. House of Representatives, where he pushed for an amendment. So this quote, he pushed for an amendment regarding the regarding a bill for the United States Army that would ensure that ensured that race would never again be a criterion for enlistment in the army. That was never considered, though. At that time, anyway. Right. And while he was considered a war hero, um, his time in politics was not always easy. He was having to deal with um, pre- just pre-Jim Crow. Yeah. Um, he is having to deal with uh, early version of the KKK and um, other, pro like, you know, we have like voter fraud now and problems mm-hmm. now. Imagine that like exponentially.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, because from what I know about the Civil War or post-Civil War, and it it's, it's embarrassingly bad, is that we had this period of reconstruction where we yeah. attempted to elevate those who are coming out of enslavement. And yeah. then we end up going through this awful period, the great Nadir, Nader. Where um the pendulum basically swings the other way and people who have historically held power try to create laws to subvert those who are rising. Right.
1: So that's what he's that's what he's living in. So at this time, I don't re- I don't remember the exact circumstances. I know that George Ferguson, the Angry Scotsman, tries to sue him for the boat, and that doesn't work. Um, and there's a couple of um, adversaries in politics that are constantly causing problems for him. So at some point between George Ferguson and one of these adversaries, he is held at gunpoint by a pistol. And this might be my favorite moment of the whole story.
0: He says
1: as he is cocking his double-barrel shotgun.
0: So pistol problem. versus
1: shotgun. Pistol versus shotgun. Mr. Roll Robert and dice. Small says
0: you best not miss, because I surely won't. That's like that line (laughs) in Kill Bill where the two women are in the hotel room and they're firing on each other. And I think it's Lisa Liu's character who says, I'm basically a surgeon with a shotgun, not that I'd need it.
1: Yeah, so this is the point of the story with which I imagine he lifts his clearly ironclad Cajon's back into the wheelbarrow and rolls them home.
0: <laughs> <Like>, yeah.
1: <laughs> um. After arriving back in Charleston, he does a couple of really cool things. Um. He buys his former master's house.
0: I love that for him.
1: It is now his house, his wife, his mother, and their children. So his family, yeah. his mother. I was so excited to know his mother was still alive at this point. Um, They live out the rest of their days. McKee's wife, the former master, she is um, a little bit mentally unaware. Uh, Maybe there's some some things going on upstairs and she's sickly. She wanders back into the house one day, assuming it's hers. And Roberts does what any, you know individual having gone through all of this would do and he invites her to live there the remainder of her days so he moves her and two of his, at least two of her children back into the house and he cares for them the rest of their lives
0: wow can you imagine that that requires quite a bit of healing on his end right? to be able to to do so, that so
1: the dollop podcast which was one of my sources mentioned how Even though he was clearly the master of the house now, um, the the white woman refused to eat at the table with them. So Robert, again, does the thing that anybody going through these circumstances would do, and he just arranges for her to have a different dinner time.
0: You know, I mean... (laughs) He's he's better as a human than I am as a parent because my rule is you don't want what I'm having or you don't feel the need to eat with me, starve. Right, and he eventually just, he you'll makes, be hungry enough. Right,
1: he makes these accommodations for these people that owe him, like you know, in such a it's just uh, it just speaks to the character of the man that he is. At the age of seventy five. On February 13, 1915, he dies of complications of malaria and diabetes. Five years before his daughter, who was
0: born a slave, gets the right to vote. Can we also acknowledge just just quickly that he fought in the war and died in 1915? Like, That Mm -hmm. it feels like, I mean, I understand time works in a linear fashion. I understand that one year begets another and things move, you know, in succession like that. However, I feel like hearing him dying in 1915, there is an unfortunate chasm where I feel like time stops. Mm -hmm. And it's like in between the civil war and the time that my hundred year old farmhouse was built, there's 300 years in between those time periods. And so knowing he died five years before my home was built, I'm like, wait a minute, that can't be because that's, that's 700 years in between those two time periods. And so it's like,
1: that's totally how my brain works
0: too. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, wait a minute. No, no. But it's like, I have to do math and go, wait a minute, Teresa, you are flawed as a human here. Like, Dude, to think he died in
1: 1915 and I was born in
0: 1984. That is mind-boggling. Like, I know that it shouldn't be. It messes with my brain as well.
1: Would you like to hear what his headstone says? Of course. My race needs no special defense, for the past history of them in this country proves them to be the equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. That is a portion of a speech that he gave during his political reign oh can you like can you i'm gonna break us out of slavery also i'm gonna be a politician also i'm gonna buy my master's old house also i'm gonna be a super cool chap also um don't aim at me because you'll miss
0: i mean okay let's i think you told that out of order he's a super (laughs) cool chap yep And I think, and then all these other things, right. I think like, that's where it starts, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh. Like there is so many things where you think your mindset begets so much of your life. Like there is something I tell my daughter only because I need to hear it. And that is, you are the strongest person in any room you walk into as long as you get, keep your wits about you. Mm-hmm. which means you have to be breathing and controlling your emotions. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can do that and you're intentional, you will be the strongest person. Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, this, oh, I want to be half as cool as this man. Half as cool. Like when I read his whole story, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding? Like, and I just have to think that mom was such a player in this. Like, we don't hear a ton of information about her, but she's the reason he went to Charleston. She was like, she seems to be like this force in his life that is is why he's the way he is. And I loved knowing she got to see freedom.
0: I loved knowing she got her family back. Mm-hmm.
1: And to think like she I imagine that she dies a happy old lady in her son's home, surrounded by her grandchildren. Like yeah. what what a thing to not only be having
0: served in that house, we have no idea what horror she saw, well, especially after, hey, look at everything your son did, and here's the bounty on his head, right so it just it gives me chills thinking about
1: it but then i then i remember at one point he says well you best not miss because i won't <laughs>
0: I'm like yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that is some like doc holiday level shenanigans
1: oh yes yeah, exactly what i was thinking i was thinking somewhere between doc holiday and Wood.
0: <laughs> truth
1: <laughs> that, that's what i was that's what i was thinking so that's my guy. That's my story. Um, he's uh he's added to my list of favorite heroes. And if if anybody is interested, there is so much information about him because fortunately he served in politics. Oh yeah. so the internet is a mass of stories that are so much fun. Um I when I was listening to one of the podcasts that I because I listened to three in one day about him. <laughs> By the time I was listening to the last one, the last 10 minutes of his story, I was literally cackling at Ethan's trap shoot and one of his coaches kept looking at me (laughs) and I was like, sorry, (laughs)
0: I realize you can't see my headphones. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Don't cackle at trap shoots. I understand. I mean, you're just that crazy woman in the corner laughing as they're shooting guns. The, lit, that was exactly what was happening. Exactly what was happening. It's like Angie's lost it. <laughs> Until I
1: move my hair back and see my headphones, and they're like,
0: "Oh, you have you're listening to something." I mean, and I purposely wear big over here at, at headphones just because I'm sitting here thinking, like, I want to give you every opportunity to not talk to me.
1: Um. Yes. Only. So. I have my Beats are my favorite headphones but they live at home so they don't get like smashed or ruined because it would be very sad. Mm. So just have my take my AirPods with me everywhere okay, which okay. does create, you know, the problem of sometimes people trying to talk to me but whatever, it's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I there's mean, my story. Did you love it? I absolutely loved it. And That's I what? love knowing so much more than the, you know, quick 30 second to 3 minute, you know, video update of him. Right. I I
1: agree. Oh, I'm being hailed.
0: Well, I mean, we have (laughs) been here for quite a while. So on that note, how about I sign us off and uh, tell people where they can find us? That sounds great. I love it. All right. So thank you for listening. We love the fact that um, you are here, that you're listening with us. And if you have any story ideas or if there is a way we could have improved this, let us know. Um, unhinged.historypod at gmail.com and we'll read it we really will <laughs> and we will definitely take it under advisement and depending what you write we might read it on online or out loud on the air that's what I. those are the words i was looking for
1: i mean technically
0: it's all those things so yeah it works. i mean roll dice we'll we'll pick an option um on that note <laughs> we'll see you next time bye, bye.